Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Valleybrook Community Church. If we haven't met before, my name is Jenna, and I'm just so excited to be welcoming you all here today. Whether you're here with us in person at our Granby campus or if you are online with us this morning, if this is your first time here, we are just so happy that you have joined us this morning. We'd love to connect with you more, so be sure to hang out with us after service in the cafe and visit the welcome table. We have a very special gift for you. Um, here at Valleybrook, we really focus on three things together, and that is worship, that's listening to God's word, and that's spending time with each other in fellowship after the service. So after we worship together and after we hear from Pastor Clark, we are all going to go to the cafe, and we are going to um, just hang out over some coffee, some tea, some snacks. Um, and we're just so grateful that you're here to just partner with us. Um, here at Valleybrook, we want to love God, love people, and our goal is to change the world. And so we're grateful that you're walking alongside us in that. Um, one last thing that I have for this morning is we have a biblical sexuality conference coming up um, hosted by Converge Northeast, which is where I work. Um, and that is being hosted at, at Valley Community Baptist Church in Avon, Connecticut. Um, we'd love to see you all there. Registration is required. So if you have any more questions about that, um, I will be out at the welcome table. So feel free to come talk to me about that. Um, if you all could stand up with me, I would love to pray us into worship. God, I am just so thankful that we're all gathered here today to just worship you and listen to your word this morning, God. I'm so thankful for each person that walked through these doors, whether they're walking in to see people that they've known for 10 years or whether they're people who are walking in ready to meet their new church family. I'm so grateful, God. I'm so thankful for your love, for your constant grace, for your constant mercy. I'm so grateful for how you move in our hearts. And I thank you for that. I just pray that we'd be able to turn off our minds this morning, God, all the anxieties, all the things that are waiting for us when we walk outside the doors. I just pray that we'd be fully present so that we can worship you. We thank you so much and we love you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.
I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back from you. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back from you. I will love you with my whole heart. Love you. from Psalm 8 this morning. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, all that swims the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's continue to sing to him this morning.
more time. Praise the one who's seated on the throne. Praise the one who's worthy of. Dear Lord, we gather this morning to worship you. Lord, we give you our praise. We give you our worship as an offering. Lord, I pray that you speak to every heart in this room. us and through us this morning. Be with Pastor Clark as he reads from your word. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, kids are dismissed, grades K through 5 for Sunday school, and grades 6 through 8 are invited to our Collide Bible study, which is taking place in the venue right out there. The rest, you may be seated. How come it seems that whenever I try to love others, whether through my words or through my life, it leaves someone feeling badly? Where is the good news in all of this? The blessed practices were created as a simple tool to help you bring the love of God to others to help us understand how to love our neighbors the way Jesus did, to help us avoid making the good news complicated when it should simply come from your heart. A rhythm of friendship and blessing was how Jesus loved people. This is how the gospel is meant to be shared. Well, good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here in the house. Glad that you are joining us online, that you're there. So there's a bridge that I like to go to often, and we're going to put a couple of pictures of it at different seasons on the screen behind you. And to be honest, it's really not a bridge. It's certainly nothing to marvel at. Uh, it's just several two-by-eight planks that span a, a wide and a shallow brook that are held in place with some metal stakes and some baling wire. It's in a local park where I like to go running, and, and when I come to that bridge, obviously I have to slow down to cross it, and it's, it's a little wobbly. Sometimes uh, when there's a flooding rain, it washes away, but, but because I have to slow down, it's become a place where I pause, and I, and I pray, and I lift my hands to God, and, and uh, um, I pray, and I pray for people, I, I pray for you. I pray for sometimes you individually and many times more corporately. And I, and I pray that um, because you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, that, that we would be able to do the work that God has called us to do, that God would work in us and through us, and that we would be able to do 
the most important thing that God has called us to do, and that's to share the good news with others that we have experienced in Jesus. The, the fact that we've been blessed by faith in Christ, and we want to share that faith with others so that they would come to know him. And, and uh, to, to borrow a phrase from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I pray that we would become what he called the beloved community, the body of Christ, the church. Now, obviously, uh, Dr. King is remembered for his leadership in the civil rights movement in this country, but before he came to fame, he was first and foremost and, and always a devoted follower of Jesus. And he saw this movement that we call the civil rights movement, he saw it through the worldview of biblical justice, as we all should. And that's why when he wrote about his desire for equal rights for all people, he saw it, he understood it, he talked about it in biblical and theological terms. In fact, in, in one of his speeches where he talked about the beloved community, this is what he said. The end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and type of love that can transform oppressors into friends. The type of love that I stress here is not eros, a sort of aesthetic or romantic love. It's not philia, a sort of reciprocal love between personal friends, but it's agape, which is understanding goodwill for all. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in the lives of all people. This is the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. Powerful words by Dr. King. You know, he, he understood that the one thing that can save the world is being redeemed by Jesus and reconciled to God. And, and when those two things happen to people, being redeemed by Jesus and being reconciled to God, then those people become part of the beloved community, the, the church, the body of Christ. And, and that's my prayer that we can help all people be redeemed by Jesus and be reconciled to God and thus become the beloved community, the body of Christ, the church. When we're redeemed by Jesus and reconciled to God and become part of the beloved community, it, I hope we all realize that we have been blessed. That, that blessing that I'm talking about is the blessing that comes from God, and God's blessing is not based on anything that we've done or that we will ever do. The Bible tells us that God blessed us and that we've been blessed to be a blessing to the rest of the world, to all people. In the book of Genesis, we see that God made a promise to our spiritual ancestors, Abraham and Sarah, and to their descendants, which includes us. And this is the promise that God made. He said, I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the Bible tells us that that promise that God made so many millennia ago was fulfilled for us when Jesus came to forgive us of our sins and restore humanity, every single person who believes in Jesus, into a relationship with God. And thus, 
become part of the beloved community. When we accept Jesus' death to pay for our sins, we are forgiven and we're restored to God and we become part of that beloved community of the church and that's how God blesses us. But we have to see that this blessing isn't something that we grab hold of and hold on to and not share with others. We're supposed to bless others with that information, with that faith. I was thinking about this week, um, you know, this means that we're part of God's team when we're part of the beloved community. And I was thinking about this this week. You know, when I was in elementary school, many afternoons, our teacher would uh, take our class outside for recess and we'd play kickball. I don't even know if they still play kickball in elementary school. Um, but, but we would play kickball. But you know what the, the, the most awful thing about playing kickball was? It wasn't the game. It was the teacher saying, all right, this person's going to be a captain and this person's going to be a captain and then they're going to pick teams. And you knew, you knew who the best players were, and you wanted to be on that person's team. And you knew you didn't want to be the last person picked for the team. It was embarrassing. It was awful. Well, here's the good news. When you're part of the beloved community, you're not the last one picked on the team. You're a VIP to the team. Every single one of us, when we believe in Jesus and become his follower, we're on the team. And he values every single member of the team. So there's no anxiety about being on the team. We are blessed to be followers of Jesus. And as his followers, he he wants us to be for lack of a better word, recruiters to invite others to join the team. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some biblical practices that will help us, if we embrace them, to bless others, to help invite people to become part of the beloved community, to become part of God's team. And when we bless others, it'll change the world. Not for our glory, but for God's glory. Because people who were far from God will come to know God and receive not just the promise of eternal life off in the future when we die, but, but God will be with them now. They'll recognize it and know it. Now, these practices will not be easy. They will challenge all of us. But God has said, I want you on my team. I, I want you to be Blessed, and I want you to share the blessing with others. I have entrusted this to you. So, if we're going to bless other people as followers of Jesus, the first thing, and this makes sense, the first thing that we have to do is we need to begin with prayer. Prayer is the essential means of our connection with God, it's the means through which our relationship with God grows and deepens as we learn more about God and, and as we sense him answering our prayers. Prayer is not a one-way thing. Like any relationship needs two-way communication, so we also need to hear from God. We need to not only pour out our heart to God, but we need to listen to God and let him speak to us. And of course, one of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through Scripture. So I'm going to say something obvious, but if you don't read the Bible, you're not going to hear from God a lot. If your only time you hear God's word 
is on a Sunday morning, you're not hearing from God like you should. You need to, to take it in. But not only does God speak to us through Scripture, and by the way, the Bible tells us that Scripture is God-breathed. But God also speaks to us and guides us and prompts us through his Holy Spirit. And understanding this is important if we're going to bless others. We have to let God speak to us to, to guide us. Now, theologically speaking, as Christ followers, we know that God is sovereign. That means that he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, that he is ever-present, he's everywhere. In other words, God is in control of the world, of the universe, of everything. Sometimes we don't understand why he lets things happen in this world if he is in control, but we know that. And if we understand that, then it's important. Because knowing this means that God doesn't need to know us, but he wants to know us. Now, that should be humbling. God wants us to know him, and God wants us to be relationally connected to him. The almighty God, the creator of the universe, desires to be in a relationship with you and with me. Why? Well, first and foremost, because he loves us, and he wants us to be involved in his mission to reach other people so that they will know that he loves them and be saved for eternal life. But we also recognize that he wants us to be involved in his mission so that we can bless others with the same good news that has brought our salvation and our recognition that God is walking with us through this life. Let's look at how Jesus saw, saw his followers working with God to fulfill God's mission. This is from John chapter 17. And we see how Jesus prayed for his followers. And, and early on in those prayers, he made a theological statement about what eternal life is. And it's important for us to grasp this. He said, this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, he's speaking about God, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So eternal life comes from knowing God, knowing what he's done for us, accepting what he's done for us, and being in a relationship where we follow him. Salvation comes from knowing and accepting that Jesus saved us from our sins. But once we know that, and accept him as our Lord and Savior, he invites us to be a part of his work to fulfill God's mission. In his own words, this is how Jesus prayed for every generation of followers of Jesus, including you and I today and future generations, and this is what he prayed. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So God's plan is that 
we share the message of what God did for the world in Jesus. God's plan is that we should also be united in blessing others with this message that we're united in believing, knowing that God is in us and, and we're in God through faith in Jesus Christ. So if we're part of God's plan, we have to ask ourselves, what does God want us to do? In other words, how do we bless others like we have been blessed? Well, very simply, we start with prayer and we ask God, God, who do you want us to bless and how do you want them to bless? How do you want us to bless them? After we talk to God in prayer, asking those questions, we've got to do something that's important. We have to listen. We have to recognize that, yes, God does speak to us. Now, when, when you read Scripture, when you read the Bible, you'll see that God speaks to people in many different ways, and we believe He's continuing to speak to people in different ways today. Sometimes God speaks in an audible voice. Sometimes God speaks through dreams. Sometimes God speaks through angels. Sometimes God speaks through other human beings. Sometimes God speaks through the nudgings of His Holy Spirit. Now, don't get sidetracked by the means in which God chooses to speak, but, but focus on the importance that we're supposed to listen for the voice of God. When the prophet Samuel was not a prophet, when he was a young boy, he began serving at the house of the Lord under the authority of the priest Eli. And one night, he heard a voice, and it that voice spoke to him, and, and Samuel thought it must be Eli, so he went over to him and woke him up, and he said to him, uh, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I, I didn't call you. So Samuel went back to bed, but it happened again. And he went to Eli, and Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, and it happened again. And he went to Eli. And the third time it happened, Eli realized that Samuel was hearing the Lord speak to him, yes, in an audible voice. And so he said to Samuel, so if the Lord calls to you again, this is what you need to say. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So when the Lord spoke again, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the Lord spoke to him, and he told him what he wanted to do, and Samuel listened. God desires for us to listen to him, to listen to his voice, and he is speaking to us. Now, I, I suspect for some of you, this may feel a bit mystical, maybe even a little weird, but you know, stay with me on this. Don't get distracted how God speaks to us. Instead, accept the truth that the Bible tells us and other followers of Christ will confirm that God speaks to us. And so our posture has to be one of having open hearts and open minds and, yes, open ears. In the 41 years that I've been following Jesus, 
I can testify to you of experiencing many times when I have sensed that God has spoken to me. I've, I've heard God speak to me as, as I've read the Bible. He's spoken to me through dreams. He's spoken to me through other people. And God has spoken to me through the nudging of the Holy Spirit. I've yet to hear an audible voice, but I ha- can tell you without a doubt that I believe that God has spoken to me many times. And in hindsight, and because hindsight's twenty twenty, even when I didn't originally recognize that that was from God, obviously I did eventually recognize it was from God. Once we accept that God does speak to us, we've got a dilemma. And that dilemma is how do we discern if what we think we're from hearing from God is really us or what we ate for dinner last night? You know, is, are we really hearing from God or is it just some random thought that came in this ear and, and if we don't hold it closed, it's going out the other ear? Well, I want to give you four simple tests for discerning if what you sense you're hearing is the voice of God. The, the first test is this. I'll call it the doctrine test. When trying to hear God's voice, the first thing that we should ask is, what does the Bible teach on what I think I'm hearing from God? So, Some questions can be completely answered if this is the voice of God through this test. For example, it is not God's will for you to lie. So if you're tempted to, uh, if you sense that God is speaking to you and saying, hey, you know, just, you know, tell a lie to your boss about that form you were supposed to complete, but you didn't complete, that's not from God, all right? Um, You don't even have to pray about that. Uh, I would say that if you're ever confused, uh, you know, if something matches the doctrine test, you know, you can contact me or talk to another mature Christian so that they can guide you through that. The second test you can apply is this. It's, I call it the disciple test. So the question you would ask yourself is, does what I'm hearing make me more like Jesus? Does it push me to trust God more? Will it stretch my heart to love him more? Everything God leads you and I to do, everything he communicates to us in some way should make us more like his son, Jesus Christ. So ask yourself, is what I sense God saying making me more like Jesus? The third test you could apply with this called the DNA test. Does this message that I hear seem to fit how God has been working in my life, how God has gifted me. Obviously, we can look for clues about the work of God's providential hand in our lives, and God can and will speak to us by unexpectedly aligning events and situations. So we have to ask, does does this seem to match up with the way God's wired me, if I understand how God has gifted me as his follower? Now, the truth of the matter is sometimes God is going to lead you and communicate with you to do something outside of your comfort zone. Don't think that that's not from God because oftentimes he will. But you've got to apply these tests. There's one more test that you can apply. Maybe we'll call it this, the the dinner table test. Invite some mature Christians to sit down, you know, have a cup of coffee, to say, hey, I want to talk to you. I have this sense that God's calling me or telling me to do this, and, and run it by them. Now, this is important. Um, don't gather a group of people who always agree with you and say everything you're doing is fine, but really, really uh, find some mature followers of Jesus and 
ask them if this seems to match up with what you think God might be asking of me. So, big picture. If we're going to be intentional about listening to God, then we need to get into the habit of saying what Samuel said to God, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So let me suggest a practice to you. Regularly, hopefully daily, spend some time reading Scripture and spend some time praying and then simply tell God that you're going to listen and ask Him to speak to you. You can ask Him to actually speak to you about, God, who do you want me to bless today? You have blessed me, God. Who do you want me to bless? And then be quiet. Sit and listen. I may even encourage you to get a piece of paper and a pencil and because you, if you're like me, you're going to have a lot of random thoughts come through. Oh, I need to call the electric company. Write that down so you can stop thinking about it. That's probably not God speaking to you. That's your, your sense of responsibility. But, but be quiet and listen for the thoughts that, that God brings to mind. And you know what? If, if nothing happens that time, that's okay. But we have to begin to to get in the practice of listening if we want to hear the voice of God because he is speaking. There's just a lot of things that distract us. And that's an important piece of that. Don't take your phone when you could do this, okay? Leave it in another room because it will distract you. How do I know? Because mine distracts me all the time, okay? I'm in the same boat as everybody else. So if we're going to listen to God and hear from him, here's the next thing we need to do. And I think this is obvious, but we need to accept what we hear and obey it. After I completed seminary, Cynthia and I answered God's calling to move to Minnesota and to to serve a church there. I'm not going to tell you the entire story of how God told us to go to Minnesota, but, uh, you know, we had grown up in the Carolinas, and so we didn't know anything about Minnesota. It's obviously very different temperature-wise in a whole lot of other ways. But we were praying, and we were asking God about where we should serve in a church We truly thought we were going to head back to the Carolinas. But when God answered that prayer and spoke to me, he did it in such a powerful and undeniable way. We didn't hesitate. We said yes to a church that called us to come to Minnesota and serve with them. Why? Because we were listening. And we were honestly young in our faith, but God did it in a way that we could not deny Now, at that church in Minnesota, I was the associate pastor, and uh, my job description was very thorough. I had a very thorough senior pastor, and I had to laugh, uh, and I still do laugh, because there was one line at the end of that job description, and after all of my responsibilities that I was supposed to oversee, and all the things I was supposed to lead, and all the things I was supposed to do, there was one phrase, and it was this, and other duties as assigned by senior pastor. (laughs) That was really broad, okay? But I realized I was on a team. I was a team member. And I realized I wasn't in charge. And so I needed to accept what my senior pastor told me to do, even if it wasn't specifically on that job description. So we need to accept and obey. 
So let me just consider a couple of stories out of Scripture. Let's, let's think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Scripture tells us that God favored her to be the mother of the Messiah, which implies a great deal about Mary, about her devotion to God, about her faith in God, about the kind of person she was, about her attention to being a faithful follower of God Almighty. More than likely, she was a teenager and... She was betrothed to Joseph. And while it was an arranged marriage, you can probably imagine that for a teenage girl, she probably had some visions of a fairy tale marriage that was going to happen with her, her husband-to-be and, and about the family that she would raise. So when God sent the angel Gabriel to speak to her about God, how God wanted to use her to be the mother of the Messiah, on the one hand, this must have been spiritually exciting to see all the promises that, that she had heard and read and prayed about for the Messiah all of her young life and how Israel had looked for this to happen for, for millennia. It was coming true. That must have been exciting, except then she must have been freaked out because she realized that she was going to be supernaturally impregnated and she would have to tell her, Beyonce, that um, I wasn't unfaithful, God did it. Um, and then she would have to, her friends and family. And then if you understand the Jewish law, this could be, adultery could be punishable by death. And that's what everyone would have assumed. And in the best case scenario, she probably could have envisioned a life of a single mother, lonely forever. But what did Mary say? When the angel Gabriel came and told her all of this and her dreams for the future became totally disengaged and sidetracked from everything she saw, what she said was amazing. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Aren't we grateful? Aren't we grateful to God that Mary accepted and obeyed when she heard the voice of God? You know, without people of faith who listened and accepted and obeyed over the millennia, we wouldn't actually be here right now. C consider a man named Ananias. We only read about him once in Scripture. It's in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. Ananias was a man who listened and accepted and obeyed God. And here's an instance again where we wouldn't probably be here if he hadn't. You see, before the Apostle Paul was the Apostle Paul, he was a Jewish Pharisee who went by the name of Saul. I know that's a bit confusing. And he persecuted the church. He imprisoned them. He even had many of them killed. And so one day Ananias was at his home in Damascus, and he heard the voice of God. He, there were, he had a vision, and God spoke to him, and he wanted him to go and speak to Saul. Now, what had happened to Saul was this. He had had a personal encounter with the Lord, and he had lost his sight. He had become completely blind, and his world was so rocked that he stopped eating, and he stopped drinking for days, and he was taken to a house in Damascus, was, was near this all happened, and he just sort of withdrew. 
This is what we read about Ananias. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, the great thing about this whole section of this conversation between God and Ananias is that we get the full conversation. I'm not going to read it, but here's the deal. Ananias pushed back, said, God, uh, Saul persecutes Christians. He has them imprisoned or worse. And God pushed back on Ananias. And he said, you need to go. And remember how specific his directions were, I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street in Damascus. He basically gave him the specific directions. That's how clear the communication was. And so Ananias went. He put his hands on him and he prayed for, for Saul to be healed of his blindness. And he was healed of his blindness. And then he went and he baptized Saul because Saul professed his faith in Jesus and he fed, got him fed and gave him something to drink. And, and uh, that's the last we hear of Ananias. But the rest of the New Testament, we hear all about what Saul, who is now, go, now goes by Paul, did that spread the good news, the blessing of Jesus Christ to the world. If you're going to follow God, you've got to listen God's voice. You've got to ask him to speak to you. And when he speaks, you need to obey. Even if it's just what you read in scripture, you need to obey it. When we do that, God will use us to bless others like we've been blessed. So as Christians, we believe that God is always speaking. We just need to take time to listen. We need to take time to Listen corporately as the body of Christ, the church, but, but also individually. So I'm going to share with you right now what we as the leaders of Valley Brook have been sensing God's telling us. Through several different ways, we've sensed that God has been leading us to serve and minister to people in our community who speak Spanish. Now, I don't speak Spanish. Lo siento, no hablo español. Um, but God has provided us with people who are bilingual. And uh, so... We're following what we sense the leading of God. So you're probably going to see bilingual messages and signage and things around Valley Brook. Why? Because we're listening to God. And we want to minister uh, completely to people who speak English only and completely to people who speak Spanish only. And this is of God, not of Clark and not of anybody else. And so we're tuning our ears to listen. But individually, we also have to listen that we need to ask God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to bless? And so this morning, I, I want to give you a simple exercise for you to begin to use. And we're going to put this slide up on the screen. And what you're going to see is something that looks sort of like a map. That's your house in the center of this. And by the way, you can download this from our website. And, uh, but what I would ask you to do is think about where you live. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, if, if, if the map doesn't fit where you live, ignore the map. The idea is to write down the people who live around you, who, if we believe in the providence of God, God placed you and them in that neighborhood. 
in that apartment complex, wherever it is. Write their names down. And if you want to begin to practice listening to God, then regularly pray for them. And say, God, who do you want me to bless? And pray for for John and Sarah and Joe and Sally. And just pray for them by name. And if you sense God says, you know, go over there and see how they're doing. Or go over and ask them if there's anything you can pray for. Do it. Follow through. Listen and obey. Maybe you'll sense God nudging and you should send them a gift card or some groceries. Last fall, um, when uh, you know, the police officers were killed uh, in our state, we have a, a police officer who lives on our street. And, and I just sense God was saying, send he and his wife a, a gift card at a restaurant. Just say, hey, you know, we support you, we love you, we know this is a really hard week. And, and so Cynthia and I did that. And I don't tell you that to toot my horn, but I was listening to God. I just began to sense nothing audible, but, you know, Clark, you need to reach out and care for them. That's what we need to do. Why? Because we've been blessed, and we need to be a blessing for others. So I, I want to close in prayer. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward, but, but I, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to begin to pray and ask God to speak to you. And specifically, take that neighborhood map and begin to pray about how God wants you to bless your neighbors because you've been blessed. Maybe your neighbors have blessed you. And we're going to talk more about this over the coming weeks because truly this is what we're called to do. This is the, the reality of what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus. It's not that we say, oh, we're saved and we're going to go to spend in heaven. We don't have to do anything. No, we're on God's team. And he desires for us to be fully devoted followers. Now, as I close in this prayer for us, I recognize there may be somebody here in the room or somebody online who's just beginning to understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And you've never actually said, hey, I want to be a follower of Jesus. So if that's you, I'm going to give you some words to pray. And if you pray that prayer, I would encourage you to come and see me or one of our prayer team members afterwards or send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc so we can put some free material in your hands to help you grow in understanding your relationship with God. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And Lord, I recognize that after hearing this message, there could be somebody saying, okay, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to believe in him and share the faith that I have with others. So if that's you and you want to tell Jesus you believe in him, very simply, just pray these phrases back. Put them in your own words. Pray them back to God. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay the price for my sins. I accept his forgiveness. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. And as we close out that prayer, I I pray for every single person in this room and online. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your voice, either directly through your word or through the nudgings of your Holy Spirit or for whatever you're doing, like what you're doing here at Valley Brook. Lord, speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Let us sense your guidance and direction 
and let us share the blessing that we've been blessed with. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a song called Oceans, and I think it fits the challenge of listening to God and then blessing others as we've been blessed. So as we sing it, may it be a prayer for all of us. Please stand. Yeah.
us. Yes, God calls us to walk on the water to trust him. Each and every day. So I want to encourage you to lean into God. Ask him to speak to you. Listen. And when you hear from him, accept it and obey him. Before we give the final blessing, I just want to invite anyone who needs prayer. There will be prayer team members up here who would count it an honor and a privilege to pray with you. We do want to keep this room sort of in an attitude and atmosphere of prayer, so we want to encourage everybody to connect out in the cafe, but, but if you want to sit and pray or if you want to come up to have the prayer team pray with you, uh, they would love to do that. And we would love to hear from those of you online, too. If you have prayer requests, anyone can send those in. We'd love to hear them. Now let me close with a final blessing. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.